0: Another edition of the round ball ramble podcast i'm your host corbin forge follow me on twitter at corbin mba this is a sports ethos presentation so check out sports ethos on twitter at sports ethos online sportsethos.com. listen y'all today is thursday the 18th of january and we had a full 10 game slate for y'all last night a lot of fun games a few blowouts two game winners a lot of fun there um we also had a huge trade and some sad news and we're gonna get all to that right now here on the round ball ramble let's start with the blocks we're just gonna go over the scores real quick kind of run through those here for you Timberwolves beat the Pistons 124 to 117 Anthony Towns had a huge game 27.6 rebounds really efficient Anthony Edwards had a huge dunk excuse me early in the late in the first quarter against the Pistons took off from just inside the free throw line it felt like over Jalen Duran sensational throw down for him uh, Pistons fall to 4-37. Timberwolves are 29-11. and 11. The Magic lost to the Hawks as DeJounte Murray, future Laker DeJounte Murray, called game with a buzzer-beater game-winning mid-range J over the outstretched arms of the defense for the victory. Um, it was a game that went down to the wire, definitely one I would recommend looking back on in terms of a rewatch. Really enjoyed it. In the final seconds, the Magic were down 3 Offensive possession was stalled, kind of bounced around, bounced around, and then who came up with the big shot? Yep, Paolo Bancaro hit the big three to tie it up. Um, Quinn Quinn Snyder didn't even call timeout as the Hawks brought the ball back up court. He just let them go at it. DeJounte Murray dribbled to a spot, created some separation, knocked down the J. That's the game when that was 26 on the night for DeJounte Murray. The Magic were led by Wendell Carter Jr., who had 18. The Spurs lost big to the Celtics despite... 27 points by Victor Omanyama. They lost um, 117 to 98. Uh, with that win, the Celtics are a perfect 20 and 0 right now at home. They are 32 and 9 overall. The Spurs fall to seven and 33. They are four and 17 away from San Antonio. Jalen Brown led the way for the Celtics, 21 points and seven rebounds. The Cavs whooped all over the Bucks, 135 to 95 wasn't close over early whatever you want to say about it that's what this game was. Donovan Mitchell led the Cavs with 31 points, also had 7 assists and 3 steals. Bobby Portis led the way for the Bucs who were without Giannis Antetokounmpo who sat out with a bruised shoulder. Uh Portis had 16 points and 6 rebounds for Milwaukee who fought to 28 and 13. Knicks beat the Rockets 109 to 94. Julius Randle rebounds jalen brunson also dropped 30 on his own uh and that was more than enough for the 24 points and 12 assists that fred van vliet can muster for the houston rockets who now fall to four and 15 away the heat lost big to the toronto raptors as the raptors didn't miss a single three okay i'm exaggerating a little bit the raptors did miss a few threes but ultimately toronto at 20 of 38 That's a blistering 52% from three, Um, while the Heat could barely get up 10. Um, They got 28 threes up. They only made six. Six to 28, pretty putrid shooting performance for the Heat all the way, um, especially from three. Tyler Hero just seven to 22 of nine from three. Um, Kyle Lowry shot six threes, missed every one of them. Duncan Robinson was your best shooter, uh, quote-unquote, for this Heat team going two of five from three in that game. But just not a great game for... The Heat, who just offensively couldn't really get it going um, as much as the Raptors could. Where Scottie Barnes had 20 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists. You had 28 points from Gary Chen Jr. on 8 of 9 from 3. 26 points and 8 rebounds from R.J. Barrett. 17 points, 8 rebounds, and 9 assists from Manuel Quickly. Just too much Raptors um, and not enough for the Miami Heat to really stay the course with them. Hornets. Lost to the Pelicans by 20, despite 29 points and 7 assists by Lonzo Ball. Why? Because Brandon Ingram decided to mess around and drop a triple-double. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists for him. Hornets are now 4-17 away from home. Uh, Pelicans are now 25-17. and going to be interesting to see what the Hornets do come to the trade line. Because at this point, I mean, they're bad, but they don't seem like they're a bad, like they're not like a Detroit Piston Washington Wizards bad, but they aren't, they aren't good. Another bad team. So we'll see what happens there, but I'm curious for sure. Lakers trampled all over the Dallas Mavericks 127 to 110. Anthony Davis, another monster game, one assist shy of a triple double, 28 points, 12 rebounds, nine assists. And that was enough to withstand the tr- actual triple double that Luka Doncic got with his 33 points, 13 rebounds, and 10 assists. Ultimately, just too much for the Lakers. And for the Mavericks, it was Luka Doncic, and that was it. Kyrie Irving and Tim Hardaway Jr., a game after both dropping 40 apiece, um, both struggled mightily in this one. They They had the same amount of points, if that helps. They had 12 points apiece. Um, Kyrie was 4 of 16, 1 of 5 from 3. Tim Hardaway Jr. was 5 of 17, missed every one of his 7 three-point attempts. Uh, only other guy in double digits aside from those two in Luka was Derek Lively, who in 28 minutes did play well, 16 points, 11 rebounds. Two assists on eight of nine shooting. Off the bench, just not a whole lot there either. The Mavericks shot just 46% from the field, just 27% from three, while the Lakers shot 53% from the field and a pretty good for them 42% from three. In addition to the 28 points from Anthony Davis, LeBron James had 25 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists, and D'Angelo Russell with his second straight strong game actually really his third straight strong game, had 29 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists on 11 of 20 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3. I know it's not a popular opinion, but I really would not trade D'Angelo Russell. I think he fits well enough for this Lakers squad. That is just my personal thoughts there. Uh, If you can get a reasonable upgrade, I suppose you do it. But personally, I think that he is a solid guy who is getting more of an opportunity now. Kind of been bouncing around in the system that Darvin Ham has had. And I think it's just a little better now where he can kind of play off of LeBron Nadine, find his spot, and do well there. All right. Last game of the night that was actually played. The Trail Blazers, off of an Anthony Simons game winning floater with 0.2 seconds left, beat the Brooklyn Nets 105 to 103. Anthony Simons played strong uh, in the fourth quarter, it was kind of slow every other quarter, but fourth quarter put it all together. And did a really, really good job there. Um, while Jeremy Grant really paced the Blazers the whole way through. Finishing with 30 points and 8 rebounds. For the Nets, a valiant performance for them. Spencer Dinwiddie had 19 points and 7 assists. A good bounce back game for him. Because he has one of the lowest field goal percentages of any player playing more than... I forgot how many minutes. I gotta look that back up. But he's shooting like 38% from the field. I'm, I'm, I kid you not. It's, it's pretty terrible. Um, let me see. I can pull up that side real quick cool while I'm talking. Um... So, of any player in the NBA this season, the worst field goal percentage is Spencer Denwood at 38.7. Max Drew's 39.6. Jalen Green, 40.1. Fred Van Vliet, 40.5. And Shane Sharp, 40.6. But, like, Spencer's been rough, rough, rough. So, just a thought there. Um, I, I don't know even if you trade him. If you're Brooklyn. Um, I think he's expiring contract anyway. Doesn't matter. Point is, he actually had a strong game. And that was good to see um, for Brooklyn. Aside from him... You have the usual suspects. Uh, You had 21 points from Mikel Bridges on 18 shots. Not very efficient. Four rebounds, four assists. You had 13 points from Lonnie Walker, who's been so, so strong and really a a 6 man of the year candidate for me. Um, And that was really it for Brooklyn, who shot pretty well. I mean, both teams shot solidly, I think, but ultimately— anthony Simons with the play of the game getting to the floater a shot that in the post game interview he said he goes to in a shot most of his life so not really issue for him shook mikhail bridges there wasn't any help lofted in the game winner and that was that bit of sad news here uh the golden state warriors utah jazz game that was supposed to be played last night in utah was postponed um due to the unfortunate death of assistant coach dijon uh, milokovic who passed away at 46 he had suffered a heart attack at the team dinner um and it was obviously he was in the hospital and it passed away a little bit shortly thereafter and it's just really really sad i have a quote here um by steve kerr we're absolutely devastated by Dijon's sudden passing this is a shocking and tragic blow for everyone associated with the warriors an incredibly difficult time for his family friends and all of us who had the incredible pleasure of working with him in addition to being a terrific basketball coach, Dijon was one of the most positive and beautiful human beings I've ever known. Someone who brought joy and light to every single day with his passion and energy. We grieve with and for his wife, Natasha, and their children, Nikola and Masa. Their loss is unfathomable. Um, Warrior staff had stayed at stay in the hospital late Tuesday night and returned Wednesday to be with Milokovic. Um... And unfortunately, he did pass. He was a basketball lifer. He held from Serbia. He had a 14-year professional playing career, included stops in Serbia, Spain, Montenegro, and Turkey. And he played from 1994 until he was forced to retire in 2009 due to knee issues. Um, And then a little bit after that, he started his coaching career. He coached overseas from 2012 until 2021, where he joined Kerr Staff. And he spent time as an assistant with the Spurs in 2017 and the Rockets in 2018. And he will be missed. I grieve with and for his family and him and his, uh, him, his family is in my thoughts and i don't know it's tragic no matter what and i feel like it was sadly overshadowed by the trade that we will talk on later um but it's just sad news and i think it does need its proper weight and i don't know just my deepest condolences uh go to his family and the warriors organization because that is a tragic sudden shocking loss i'll be right back y'all all right, y'all, we have five games tonight, two of which are on national television on TNT. Uh, let's start with the 530 games. Uh, this is my time, so I'm in Colorado. Uh, Eastern time a little bit later, I'm sure. But the Wizards will be playing the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Knicks on the second half of the back-to-back. Washington is horrible. They are 4-18 and away, 7-32 overall. Um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say there. Uh, first TNT game at 530, the Chicago Bulls. We playing the Toronto Raptors on the second half of the back-to-back. I feel like every game I talk about on the day of, like the other teams already played the night before, it's kind of crazy. Especially the national TV games. Like, I really think they need to do a better job next season of not having teams scheduled on back-to-backs come in on marquee games or quote-unquote marquee games. Because I just don't understand the reasoning there. Like, you can space out a little bit better. I'd imagine that you could. You get paid professionally to, like, do that, right? Those are my thoughts. Not quite sure. But anyways, Bulls and Raptors will play should be a fun game. We'll see how it goes. See if Toronto's three-point shooting will carry them on tonight. Um, for the Bulls, I mean, they've been on a decent run here. Uh, we'll see if they can kind of continue as all eyes are on Chicago for what they do as the trade deadline approaches closer and closer. 7 o'clock, the Thunder will be playing the Utah Jazz. The Jazz would have been on the back-to-back um, and said they are not. They'll be hosting the Thunder. This should be a very fun game. The Jazz has been electric and red hot. And are 15-5 and five at home. The Thunder have just come off of losing an L.A.L.A. matchup on back-to-back days to the Lakers and Clippers. So we'll see if they are able to indeed bounce back. At 8 o'clock on TNT. The Grizzlies. Sands. John Morant. Desmond Bain. <laughs> um, Marcus Smart. Derrick Rose. I mean, the walking wounded Grizzlies will be playing um, the Minnesota Timberwolves at home. I mean, it is Jaron Jackson Jr. versus Anthony Edwards. So that should be a fun game to watch regardless. But, yeah, I I I mean, maybe the Grizzlies will come in surprise. Maybe they will. Uh, and no surprise, y'all, but the Timberwolves on the second night of a back-to-back here. So, both TNT games. I love it. I love it. You can hear the sarcasm, I'm sure. And then last at 8 o'clock, what should be a fun game, the Indiana Pacers will be playing the Sacramento Kings. Um, new addition, Pascal Siakam. Kind of buried the lead here, but you're going to hear a whole lot about him in a minute. Um, is probably not going to play in this game, but... It will be a fun matchup regardless. I think it's the Pascal Siakam sweepstakes because both teams were in the hunt for Siakam in the last month and a half, and ultimately the Pacers won as they acquired Pascal Siakam. Um, But I still think it'll be a fun game. Wide open basketball. Tyrese Halliburton returned to Sacramento. It's happened before, but just him coming back up and down. Good point guard matchup, good shooting, good scoring. That is the game that I am definitely looking forward to watching. So, a lot of fun games on Make sure that you sit back and enjoy those for sure. Um, hopefully, the national TV games are good. If they're not, like, I'm not mad at it. I totally understand, but I hope that they are. All right, y'all. One last thing before we get y'all into the, the meat of the show here, which is a great, great conversation. to have a good friend, co-host of the Roster Reconstruction Podcast, Josh Earl, on the Pascal Siakam trade. Listen, energy, we need it, right? New Year's is here, right? And one thing I got to tell y'all, one thing I got to tell y'all, is that if you're trying to really get ahead right now and really crush your New Year's resolutions with the energy that you need, the focus that you require to do all the things you need to do on a daily basis, what you need to do is check out Magic Mind. Magic Mind is this great product that I've been using for the last month and a half now. And let me tell y'all, it has helped me out so much. One, I know that it's helped me cut back on my caffeine because caffeine for me is just not great. I'm crazy, I'm all over the place, I can't dial it back. It's a problem for me. With Magic Mind, It cuts down on my caffeine intake, but it also refines my focus, which I really enjoy and it keeps my energy high because when you're a guy like me, you know, I go try to work out early in the morning, I host two different podcasts, co-host a third, you know, trying to stay active on this basketball business, like, and I work full time, there's a lot going on every single day, right, like, there's not really any days off, and so, Constantly creating new content, it isn't easy. It requires a lot of energy. It requires a lot of focus. And it's hard to balance it. Too much energy, and I'm amped and ready to bounce off the walls instead of dialing in. But with Magic Mind, oh, I'm locked in laser baby. I'm focused. I'm stupid locked in. It's kind of crazy, right? Let me tell y'all, Magic Mind is all natural ingredients, so you're not you shouldn't be worried about stuff going in your body that you're not aware of. Um, one of the better ingredients I enjoy from Magic Mind is matcha. I'm sure y'all heard about it. Matcha green tea, matcha smoothies, all that really really good stuff but what matcha does a little bit of science you know underneath the hood if you will um it contains way less caffeine than coffee but it also contains additional compounds that extend the benefits of caffeine by slowing your body's ability to absorb it all as well as reduce stress and so these compounds work together to prevent the spike in cortisol levels and the inevitable crash that comes from ingesting too much caffeine i love that again it balances you out you have the energy without the wackiness you have the focus without the inevitable crash. That's one of the many all-natural ingredients in Magic Mind that will make you more productive. So, friends, come on, join it. I stand behind it because it works. It helps me. I know if you're someone else who struggles with energy or, you know, lack of focus, it can help you out as well. And I'm going to give you all a hookup here. Only this January. You can get one month for free when you're subscribing for three months. And what you do to get that, www.magicmind.com slash dailyNBA. I'm going to say it one more time. www.magicmind.com slash daily NBA. And after you're hooked on that, you can get a subscription with up to 50% off with my code daily NBA 20. So if you're doing the math there, that's almost 75% off right there. www.magicmind.com slash J A N daily NBA. And then hook up with my code daily NBA 20. Get it? Because it's a daily show on the NBA. I, it kind of speaks for itself there. But check out Magic Mind, y'all. And tell them Corbin sent you. Just do it. If they don't know who I am, that's understandable. But just try it out. Thank me later. I appreciate y'all. Magic mind. Be productive. Make the most out of your day. All right, y'all. So coming up now is a great conversation with the amazing Josh Earl, where we cover the Pascal Siakam trade from all angles we talk about how indiana fits now with pascal siakam and what is the ceiling of this team this year also looking forward to the offseason and the contract that he might sign with the pacers moving forward we talk about whether toronto should let go of siakam um and also what they're gonna do with bruce brown how he fits with toronto if he stays if he might go, what Toronto might gain or look to gain back from him. We'll also talk about New Orleans, who had a part in this deal as well, with Kira Lewis being involved, and what that looks like for them, and why they also are winners in this trade. All of that is addressed in so much more here with a great conversation with Josh Earl. Check it out, y'all. And that's going to be it for me for today. So once y'all hear this, I'm out. We'll be right back at it tomorrow, y'all. Y'all take care. As always, I'm Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. Now enjoy this great breakdown of this trade, y'all all right and we are live with josh earl here to break down the quote-unquote blockbuster trade well it's kind of a big trade that happened earlier today by the time you hear this happened yesterday last night uh the toronto raptors sent pascus yakum to the indiana pacers in exchange for bruce brown jr jordan awara and three first round picks the new orleans pelicans as the third team in the deal are routing a 2020 first round pick kira lewis and a second round pick to the toronto raptors so that is the deal. Um just to give a little more detail as as to the picks um that Indiana is or that Toronto is receiving, two of the first round picks that are going to Toronto are for 2024. Um one is Indiana's own and the second is the lesser of a Utah, Houston, Los Angeles Clipper and Oklahoma City pick. Um while the third one is also from Indiana and that's just a 2026 first round pick. So that's the deets on the pick, but this is the trade um josh what were your immediate reaction to the trade there was rumors that it might happen yesterday i definitely took and i recorded a round ball and was definitely more dubious of how soon they would move with that i'm like yeah you know conversations but we'll see and then bam literally 13 hours later the move happens
1: it's because you you said we'll see (laughs) and they were like yes we will corbin (laughs) yeah they're like that
0: they totally got me (laughs) exactly
1: But my initial reaction was just surprised that um Indiana got Pascal without giving up any of uh Buddy Hield, Ben Matherin, uh Andrew Nimhard, Jerris Walker, Andrew N ne- uh or I already said uh, Nimhard, uh Aaron mm-hmm. Nismith, um mm-hmm. Miles Turner, like Ben Shepard, like they, they gave up <laughs> like Very little ultimately um, to receive Pascal Siakam. Um, And and those picks, like the indie pick right now is sitting in a three way tie for 17th, 19th ish. Um, Following this trade, I expect it to probably land closer to 19 than 17. Um, And then, you know, OKC's probably going to finish with the best record out of that that group of uh, OKC, Utah, Houston and the Clippers. And so that pick is probably going to be 27th at best. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. So we're talking about like the 19th and the 27th pick in this upcoming draft class that a lot of people consider underwhelming. Uh that 2026 20, first is top 4 protected. And assuming Pascal Siakam resigns, which is a strong um, assumption that I, I think is is valid, uh, given what we've already heard from uh, Woj about his communication with Halliburton and that he he really seems like he's going to resign with uh, Indiana, assuming health and the fact that they still have a lot of quality depth. Like I don't think that pick's gonna be that good either um and then the the second rounder that they got from uh new orleans is either is the lesser of new orleans or chicago's 2024 second so like a lot of 2024 picks uh including the the detroit pistons 2024 uh top of the second round pick that they got for ogiana newbie from new york um and now like Toronto's just got a lot of picks in this upcoming draft, mm-hmm. um, and you know I, I think it's a really interesting trade all around. Um, I'll, I'll tackle like Toronto and uh, well, let's tackle New Orleans first because like they're kind of tangentially uh, tied to this deal, and they they moved Keir Lewis Jr. and that. Uh, lesser of their or Chicago's 2024 second pick uh, second round pick um, to basically duck the luxury tax. Yeah. With that deal, they get under the luxury tax, which also means that they're going to get a payout this off season from the teams that did pay the luxury tax. So this also not only does it cost them less money, but it's also going to net them a payout. That's probably somewhere around 18 million plus. Wow. So, like, you can see why owners really like ducking the luxury tax. Yeah. Um, So that's why New Orleans did it. Um, Toronto kind of made this deal in large part because Pascal's a free agent. They weren't close in extension discussions. We've already seen this play out last offseason with Fred Van Vliet, uh, who walked away for nothing. And It'd be extremely tough to watch Pascal do the same. Yeah. So there was pressure on them to make this deal. Um, and then, you know, Bruce Brown's interesting because he's a positive impact player right now. Mm. Like He can come in help right now. But he also has a ton <laughs> of trade value. It, um, because he's a positive impact player and because he's a tenacious defensive guy. Um, and his contract uh, next year, the $23 million, is a team option. Mm-hmm. So he kind of has the trade value of somebody who can be an impactful playoff rotation guy. We saw him have an impact in last season's championship series. Um, so he's got that value plus the value of functionally a $23 million expiring contract as well. So yeah. the Raptors can probably expect to get – another first for him, or maybe uh, another young prospect who aligns with Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel quickly. And then like Jordan Nora, he's a 25 year old six, eight forward who can't, who can help on the court, but he's Mm -hmm. also just a 3 million expiring contract as well. Uh, And then like Kira Lewis jr. I, I don't know how much he's going to really factor in for Toronto. And then those, those 2024 picks are going to give Masai and Bobby Webster the opportunity to trade up in the Mm -hmm. draft if they want to, um, or to kind of package those picks together along with some other stuff to, to again, try to target another young player who they feel fits with, uh, quickly and Scotty Barnes and stuff. Um, so that, that's why I think Toronto did it. Uh, do you see things uh, any differently, my friend? Uh, anything else that kind of stood out to you from New Orleans or Toronto's perspective before we dive into Indy?
0: Yeah, I mean, from Toronto's perspective, it's interesting because, like you said, Bruce Brown is somebody that can serve a dual role for Toronto as it stands right now, right? He can either potentially help them, you know, give them some guard depth, um, someone who's excellent moving and cutting off the ball and can open up some good space and gravity. And he can also, you know, facilitate a little bit as well. Um, at the same time, he's on a very team friendly contract, $23 million team option next season. Like if you're looking to clear cap space, he might be the guy to flip, you know, to get some more assets and role players on the team. And I think that goes to the main question for Toronto here, which is what they're trying to do. Right? Like I think objectively, they got worse losing Siakam that, that just, it is what it is there. Um, Are they trying to just reset, see how the season goes, and and, and see the fit that works around Scotty Barnes moving forward, Scotty Barnes, and then quickly, possibly RJ Barrett? Are they still trying to make the playoffs? Because right now, they're currently one and a half games out of 10th place in the East, right? And the Hawks and the Nets are in the way of them making some noise in the play-in. And the Hawks and the Nets, as of right now, are trying to do so. Who knows where the Hawks will be? Brooklyn, I mean, their pick isn't even their own, so they have no reason not to attempt to compete for the playoffs. So that's interesting to me. Um But I think however that works out in terms of the overall team direction will dictate what they do with Bruce Brown because he is a very intriguing piece. Um, Although I got to say, like, he was in a wide open offense that was really good at setting up easy outside shots, and he was shooting 32%. So, like, he's not helping in that area at all outside of his cutting and movement and gravity, which is helpful. But I'm just saying in terms of, like, just sheer straight-up shooting, no, you didn't really get anything there. I would say he's about the same as – um Siakam who you know shot a a lesser percentage but definitely ran more hot and cold than Bruce Brown does so that's really the biggest thing I'm curious about um also the picks I mean they're interesting right like you already broke down where they land I guess if you do a really good job scouting you know and you see a role player you like this draft class from what I've seen and what I've heard from people I respect isn't super great in superstar talent at all but you might find some really good depth you know later in the first round intriguing pieces that might fit and again that goes back to what Toronto wants to do, right? So I think that's the biggest question, and that's that's the immediate thing on my mind right now.
1: Well, well said. That that's exactly kind of uh, where I think they're going to is is maybe not a full, definitely not a tank because there's no way you can catch up to the bottom five. No, no. Um,
0: if you tried
1: not e- yeah even if you tried like i don't think you could catch up to those five um and and i don't think i don't think they necessarily want their pick this year like i i think they want their pick to convey to San Antonio so i think they want to at least finish you know uh 7th or or later and, mm-hmm. and and not uh have to you know Take their pick this year and then potentially have uh, their pick in a presumably better draft class next year go to San Antonio. So I, I think they want to be competitive and, and hopefully try to get into the play in. But I think right now the focus for the rest of this season is like, let's see what works with Scotty, Emmanuel, and RJ what's missing around them how can we kind of start planning going forward for building around those guys
0: true i like that i agree i think that's gonna be interesting so i think with that i mean unless you want to touch on we already did touch on uh new orleans i don't know if, if there's a lot more to really go into i think the remaining domino is indiana um Getting Pascal Siakam, I think this was one of my favorite fifth form. I actually liked Siakam better, potentially, in Sacramento. But obviously, for whatever reason, Sacramento was scared away from it. You know, whether it was the package that they offered wasn't enough for um, Toronto, or what has been more reported is that they kind of were scared away from the lack of commitment from Siakam or potentially signing extension or trading two pieces for a player who might not stay after the offseason, which, like, in my mind, I get it, but if you're trading... Harrison Barnes, Kevin Herter and some draft capital, like depending on how good the draft picks are, which are they going to be better than what the Raptors got from Indiana? I don't think so. But also, I mean, I don't know. Right. And then also like Harrison Barnes has not been a great fit for Sacramento this season. Like he's been a negative there. You know, if he's not making the ball go through the hoop, he's not really doing much else. And he's been a slept solar on defense. And that's been a hard thing for them. Right. And then, you know, Kevin Herter is good, solid, but he's been in out the rotation. You want to throw in Davion Mitchell? okay everything i said about kevin Herter, except not really a good shooter so like those are those are issues i'm not sure why sacramento ultimately didn't do it i'm sure we might find out something in the future but as it stands indiana was the second best fit for me like and i'm sure many others for siakam fitting right into um and you're getting you know two-time all-star a guy who's a great scorer, a good defender good versatility and he played well too and i think that you have a guy now that will relieve some pressure off of Scotty, uh, not Scotty Barnes. I will leave some pressure off of Tyrese Halliburton. Sorry, talking with his older teammate there or former teammate because, you know, defenses have been able to really gang up on Tyrese make, be physical with him and, and dare other people to initiate the offense. And while you've gotten some good run from, you know, a TJ McConnell or, or a Andrew Nemhart, like there's a difference between those two and a Pascal Siakam and those two and a Tyrese Halliburton. So to have a guy like Siakam with major size who can get his own, you know, um, and that can make place for others, but also is playing in a system that's gonna benefit him. He's probably never had this much spacing since like I don't know, I'd say 2019. I mean, probably more now, but 2019, I think you had like decent shooters. Um, Kawhi, you know, you had Danny um, Green, you had Danny Green, you had um Kyle Lowry, Red, you had Marcus. Red Saul. was shooting well at that time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So he had some good spacing there, maybe not conventional, like wide open the, the style of play they had, but you definitely had some spacing there, and he was able to thrive, and we saw that. I think this is just as good um, as that, if not maybe even a little, little better, given the volume of shooters like a Buddy Heald, like a Tyrese Halliburton, like guys who are known to shoot three, you know, even Aaron Nesmith who probably factors in as your small forward now, um, Miles Turner. So I think you have more high-volume three-point shooters here, um, and that's probably the difference. But I like it. I wonder just how he fits from a shooting perspective, um, just because, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is good at, you know, finding people on the outside, slinging the ball and making shots. And Siakam hasn't really been much of a catch-and-shoot player the last three years. Um, I know there was an article um, Zach Harper wrote that said he shot 36.5 like three years ago, and that was his best mark, which that's decent, but like, again, not great. Now, is it because the quality of the shots will be better now than they were the last couple of years in Toronto? That could be the case, but we will see. And I think what makes it so cool is he's not going to be there as a spot shooter. He's in a spot where he can really thrive because you're playing in a spread floor with the Buddy Hill, with the Miles Turner, with the Benedict and with the Tyrese Halliburton, and you're able to also set the table as a secondary offensive initiator. So I like that. And then defensively, come on now. I mean, at first, defensively, it's really just been Miles Turner for the Pacers. Like... That's been the defense, the back line, like, you know, okay, let's prevent some shots at the rim miles. You got it. Okay, great. And now you got a guy in Siakam <laughs> who is active, who's long, who can play, you know, whether it's uh, off ball, whether it's point of attack Um, like the defense is still going to be not great. Cause now you go from one good defender out of your five to two, but that's better than none. So I definitely like that. And I wonder how Rick Carlisle is going to deploy him. I think that will be interesting, but those are my initial thoughts. I guess my last big thought is okay siakam is going to turn 30 i'm not exactly sure how his game is going to age that is going to be interesting in indiana i think for the next two years like that'll be solid i feel like but i definitely want to see what the value of that contract is and just long term how that works out with halliburton i feel he's the perfect star to kind of go dual role with tyrese but he's not going to overtake him but we just hope he doesn't regress like drastically. And like, I don't know, I don't see it. But also, Siakam's game is just an interesting game. I mean, he could be the type of ga- guy who lasts for a while. He could be Lou Alden. You don't know. Now, Lou Dang also played a ton of minutes. To on be top fair, and-, and so Jimmy Butler. So, th- well, you know. yeah,
1: but like Thibs and the Bulls' health and training staff.
0: That's fair. We'll
1: not get into too much because I don't like bad mouthing people that mad. But but no, yes. I get you. But I get yeah, you. Yeah. I'm
0: not trying no disrespect to Luol Dang aside from that contract of the Lakers. But aside from that, like
1: get your money, guy. well
0: Great. Yeah, get your money. That's right. Go get the money. Go get the money. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, Josh, on outcome in this video? I think I gave a long yeah. story.
1: No, I, I agree with you that I think the biggest thing is he is that second scorer and more importantly, that second playmaker. That the Pacers have been looking to add to Tyrese, particularly to help. Like, and you mentioned this, like particularly to help when teams overload on Halliburton, uh, like your Lakers did in winning the uh, in-season tournament. Props, props, kudos. Um, but,
0: Thank you for that. I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> but, 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 like you said, um, really doubling Halliburton and denying Halliburton the ball when you have a Pascal Siakam, is way different than, like you said, Andrew Nimhard, TJ McConnell, Buddy Heal, Ben Matherin. Um, so I think that alone is going to be a nice leap for them. Um, the other thing to note is you kind of mentioned that uh, the the context for Siakam is, is improved in some ways, like the the spacing. The other thing is the Pacers lead uh, – are like second in the league in pace – um, and, and the only reason they're not first is because Washington also just runs really fast, but Washington doesn't do, have Halliburton. Um, and I think that pace is also gonna really open up things for Pascal. I, I think he's going to see a boost in, uh, his efficiency. I think he's going to see a boost in points per game. um, I also wouldn't be shocked to see his three point percentage go up a little bit. I don't expect him to all of a sudden, you know, be like a 38 or 40% three point shooter. But I think Halliburton and McConnell are much better on point passers Mm -hmm. than, you know, Scotty Barnes is to this point and and who like Siakam's played with in the last couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. So I think Siakam's going to get a little bit of cleaner looks, uh, especially since he's the the one in guy in a four out offense. Um, like you mentioned with, with healed Halliburton, Nimhard, Matherin, uh, Shepard, Neesmith, like <laughs> Turner, like even Jalen Smith to a degree, like everyone else is kind of able to space. Um and, and I think that's gonna give Siakam a lot of of opportunity, uh, getting to the rim um, uh, in two-man actions with Halliburton. Um, you know, getting to the rim in off-ball actions with Buddy Healed, where the defense has to worry about Buddy. And now Pascal's got, you know, a slightly more open r- route to the basket. Um, his his post-ups and his ISOs are going to be um, a little more spaced out, less help defense to come over. Um I think this is a really good context for Pascal. Um and and it's funny that we don't talk about Pascal more because over his career per 100 possessions the dude's averaging 27 and a half points per game, uh or 10.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 1.4 steals and one block on 49 33 77 shooting splits. Like,
0: it's pretty solid. That's that, that's, all over the floor. that's
1: really good. That's really good. Um, and, and we don't really talk about him too much because I guess he's he's not, uh, like mostly because I think Toronto hasn't been successful enough for him to be kind of higher in the zeitgeist. But, um, I, I think the big thing. For Indiana is they got that second playmaker and scorer next to Halliburton without having to give up too much, and and that's not a knock on Bruce Brown or Jordan Nora, but like we said, those picks aren't likely to be that good. They're they're not likely to be picks that Indiana is going to be kicking themselves in the butt later on for giving up. Um, and Bruce was almost always going to be moved this offseason probably like i i, I don't really yeah. think the plan was really to bring him back on that 23 million dollar team option
0: he just didn't make enough of an impact i think that they thought he was like a priority to keep you know like he was solid enough but i agree i i definitely thought there was hope of him being able to you know either renegotiate um not renegotiate but like sign to a longer term deal had things worked out um, you know, or whatever the case may be, but like obviously the experience wasn't super great. And it, it, on paper, it wasn't in my opinion either.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the other aspect of this I haven't really heard anybody mention is because <laughs> <coughs> sorry, uh because Indiana still has Matherin, Jarriss Walker, Nimhard, Shepard, Nee um, Smith, um, Jalen Smith, etc., they have uh all these guys still, they could could conceivably make another impact trade before the deadline. I don't know if that's yeah, where they are planning necessarily, but they could.
0: It's certainly in play. I think that is very interesting. I think that's very interesting to consider. Yeah, I wonder, I, I kind of wonder what's going to happen there. Like, what is the next move exactly? Because they do have the flexibility to play around with that now.
1: Exactly. And, and I don't necessarily see an obvious... Deal, um, you know, the other ideal person for them would have been OG, and he mm-hmm. already was traded. Um mm-hmm. so th- they might just roll with this depth. Um, and, and then the other element of this deal that I love for Indiana is Pascal Siakam is arguably one of the greatest uh player development stories of all time. Yeah. And now you yeah. have him. As a role model and a mentor to a lot of young guys who are all on their developmental journey as well,
0: very true, yep, and very true.
1: So that could prove surprisingly impactful, I think.
0: Yeah, and you're talking about younger players that have a lot to learn, like you said, from someone like him, you know. Um, yes, and exactly. he's a good team fit, I think, like that's what I like. Like, I guess, even. I wonder how he ages in the role that I think the Pacers are bringing him on to be, but just in general, like a good locker room person from all accounts, somebody whose game I think will blend well with others. Um, So that part of it, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on on board with. I I have one kind of lasting question from Toronto on Siakam's time. Do you think that it could like, were you on board with them finally moving on from Siakam? Like if he would have stayed and wanted to stay and you are Usai Mujiri, do you keep him? Do you make a trade? Maybe not this trade, specifically, but do you make a trade? Do you not think you fit with Scotty Barnes? Scottie. I definitely think it was interesting and perhaps a little bit duplicative with Scotty, but at the same time, I thought they did decent. I just thought it was a lack of, of overall shooting, some other issues around the floor that kind of held them back, but I didn't think that they were like Monta Ellis, Steph Curry incompatible.
1: Yeah, so the the main thing I bump into in that regard is from a financial standpoint, um, and, and for a building around Scott standpoint, like pa- Pascal is. um, And again, it's weird because he's not actually that old <laughs> in real life. He's not actually that old, but you no. know, he's, he's getting closer to 30 Um and just like me that, that doesn't quite <laughs> fit, you know, the, the timeline with Scotty. on top of yeah. it. Pascal Siakam has now played in seven seasons in the NBA, which puts him uh, this offseason in position to request mm-hmm. a max starting at 30% of the cap because of his wow. years of experience. Yeah. So you're you're talking about a significant cost for a player whose age doesn't really match up with Scotty's timeline, not to mention uh, like the team hasn't really been that good with those two together so far. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I'm with you. I don't necessarily think it's a bad fit on the court, uh, but when you factor in the cost and you factor in like how that cost to retain Pascal, also is going to limit your ability to flesh out, the rotation and pieces around uh, Scotty's timeline. I think mm-hmm. for that reason, you got to kind of consider moving him. But it's also really tough, right? Like, arguably the third or fourth best Raptor, th- well, top five Raptor in, mm-hmm. in franchise history. Uh, I mean, I put again, Alvin Roberts ahead of him,
0: but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. First shot in Raptors yeah. history, baby! Shout out to Allen <laughs> Robertson. Anyway, <laughs>
1: um, and, and like we said, one of the best like stories, like fantastic developmental story that happened under your watch on your team, won a championship, was all like two time All NBA, two time All Star. Um, it's hard from a narrative standpoint to like move on from that guy. Mm-hmm. But a- again, I think from that financial standpoint and from trying to maximize your ability to build around Scotty Barnes on his timeline,
0: mm-hmm. then
1: you kind of have to do it.
0: That's fair. That's fair. No, I'm with you on that. I think it's interesting, but that was something that I definitely was pondering in the aftermath of the trade is like, well, could it not have worked? And I don't know what the ceiling would have been for sure on that, but I definitely think it could have been a competitive team. But you're right. I think I'm a little I'm being a little bit sentimental to what Pascal Siakam was to this team. I mean, and now all of them, you know, whether yeah. it's Marc Gasol, Norm Powell, and Nobi, you know, obviously Kawhi. You look at yep. Kyle Lowry, like they're all gone. And what an air that was for Raptors basketball. It was it three-year league? stretch, four-year stretch yeah. from 2019 to this past year? Yeah, I definitely think this is this is like was the golden years for tour. I don't want to call it off like it's over. I mean, Scotty Barnes, I'm sure, will there probably be another new, a new era. But the point being is like, what a yeah. run, you know, what a run! Yeah, yeah, any and last thoughts here, huh? Hey,
1: and they did win a, a championship that that never goes away. No, you no, know? um, yeah, like if toronto raptors ever have like a a ring of honor um type thing pascal is Mm
0: going to be in it yeah as 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 he should be as he should be i absolutely think that you're right on that and we'll just wait and see kind of where that goes but um as of right now excited to see what the paces look like um it does look like um pascal siakam is probably not going to play for um the rap for the Pacers tomorrow against the Kings, which would have been a really funny game to have watched. But there are three more matchups this yes. season between the Pacers and the Raptors, including two in Toronto. So we will get the Pascal return Siakam return game. We will get, you know, the tribute video, and he will get to hear the love from the crowd and everything. And that'll be cool to see. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for those matchups for sure. But uh any last thoughts here before we uh move on for the evening, Josh? I think
1: that the the final thought for me, uh, and Indy has already been one of my like favorite teams from this season because I love how they play, and I'm a big Halliburton fan. He's probably my second or third favorite active player. Um, and I, I think this move maybe doesn't – I don't think it puts them along with, you know, Boston, Um. But I think this puts them in the position to maybe make it really hard for a Philly, Milwaukee, Miami series. Not saying they necessarily beat any of those four in like Mm -hmm. a second round series or something like that. But I think they're a lot better positioned to do something like that um, now. And – I'm interested to see how the rest of the season plays out and and if Indiana can kind of move themselves even further up the standings um, and and, and see how things play out in the playoffs with this like team plus Pascal and still retaining the depth they have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's one thing to kind of monitor looking forward um, with this team. I think there's a few notes for, the Pacers in general. I mean, up until we see Siakam sign that new contract with the Pacers, if that happens, maybe it falls apart and he moves on. Who knows? But like up until then, you definitely want to see the fit. You want to see what this looks like for the playoff future, uh, playoff future slash playoff picture for the Pacers moving forward. Definitely want to see some clarity on the Toronto Raptors' overall direction. Like, there's quite a few things here that I'm I'm very um interested in seeing, kind of how it shakes loose, um and falls into place here. But as it stands right now. I think it was a solid trade. I think Toronto, at the end of the day, put themselves in a situation where they had to do this. Um, think Indiana, uh, by making smart plays with the renegotiation, extension of of um, Miles Turner's contract, with the team-friendly contract they signed with Bruce Brown, with the you know trade for the first place for Tyrese Halliburton. They put themselves in a position where they were able to make a trade for a guy like Pascal Siakam, you know, without losing any of their depth. And some of it was the Raptors not dealing from a position of strength, but some of it was really prudent team building from – the Pacers over the last three seasons. And I think it's come to fruition here with this move. And we'll see what that looks like, but to even be in a, to even be in a position like this, I think is a testament to just really smart work from the Pacers front office and the player development of the p- players that they invested in.
1: Completely agree. Shout out to Chad Buchanan and uh, Kevin Pritchard.
0: Well, there you go. Shout out to both of them. Shout out to you, Josh. Thank you for joining me on short notice for this trade reaction. Uh, between the Pacers and the Raptors and just giving your insight, your experience. Uh, it was fun. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you as well, my friend. Hey, thank you again. Listen, y'all, you can catch both of us here. Uh, well, on roster Reconstruction on round ball, Ramble. Uh Josh, real quick, tell the folks where to find you. I was going to plug your Twitter. I know you're taking a break from that. Um, just in yeah. general.
1: Yeah. Uh, I help mentor people who want to work in the basketball industry or people who are in the industry and struggling to take that next step towards their dream career in basketball and i help them figure out ways to take that next step to reach that next level in their career and if that's something that's interesting to you you can reach me at josh at myhoopscareer.com We'll set up a phone call, uh, see how we can get you started moving on a path towards uh your dream career in basketball.
0: Please take advantage of Josh. His insight, I mean, his basketball experience, all of the things. His his commitment to team basketball, um, his anti ISO basketball might annoy you. I'm just kidding. Honestly, like real talk, Josh, one of the best in the business, and he's trying to help you become one of the best in the business. So Check out him for sure. Um, If you want to, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to make it myself. I don't really have a whole lot of insight to help y'all with, but you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA, C O R B A N NBA. Check out uh, Swish Theory on Twitter at Swish Theory Online, SwishTheory.com. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Listen, y'all, it's been another fun one. Thank you again, Josh. Thank all of y'all for listening. For Josh, for myself, we are Frosty. Y'all say Frosty. And as always, talk to y'all real, real soon.